This is the end of our series on COVID recovery, though, however, uh, we have, uh, we realize that COVID doesn't seem to be fully recovered in our nation and around our world. In fact, if you just read recent headlines, we blew it. U.S. reaches explosive COVID-19 spread as virus is nearly impossible to control, experts say. And then it goes on and says, with COVID cases increasing in 46 states, 10 of which broke single-day records for new cases on Thursday, America has officially entered what experts refer to as the exponential phase of spread, a rapid multiplying of cases that can't be contained through traditional measures. Uh, The U.S. saw, even just on Thursday, 160,000 new cases of the virus. In California, to get a local, we've now surpassed the 1 million mark in terms of people who have contracted the COVID or had a test where it said COVID positive. And uh, long lines at Dodger Stadium, you've never been tested, and uh, you'll find out whether you got it or you don't. And so as you think about that, in fact, now they're calling it the third wave, the third wave of this disease um, just being perpetuated not only in our state, uh, but in our nation, in our world. And and what are we going to do about it? Well, we need to recognize that there's a number of things that people decided. They're going to try to have some more lockdown and uh, urging people to be more and more careful. One of the things I heard just uh, yesterday was that they're urging gyms and bars to close at least by 10 p.m. And so I just want to assure all of you that we're not going to hold any services at 10 p.m. We're going to follow that guideline to make sure that we're uh, not breaking that uh, particular desire for us to keep people safe. Also, they're they're encouraging people to only fly if you have an essential place to go. And I was watching that online, and uh, I I saw someone carrying a surfboard. So I guess that was really essential to get to the next place he wanted to surf. Of course, if my sons were here, they'd be all mad at me because they think surfing is essential. But, it, but as you think about that, and I'm not trying to make light of it, we, we live in a world where there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of challenge and a lot of things going on that uh, we wonder, well, uh, it, it, is there such a thing as being set free? And we just sang Amazing Grace and we sang another uh, great chorus that talked about the chains being released from us. And we're wondering, uh, is that really true? Because it, it seems to me that they're restricting, they being the world, everything that I do. Uh, and, and how can you talk about freedom, freedom recovery in the midst of what we're going through? Well, what I want to talk to you today is not about the things that might be restricted because of things happening around us or maybe even in us, uh, an experience I had fairly recently, where some of the things you felt free to do or wanted to do, you could not do because of certain things that have happened to you or people around you. But there's some freedoms that you can always have that no one can take away from you. And, And that's what we want to see today. And so if you have your outlines this morning, it's always helpful to follow along. Uh, That will try to keep me at least uh, in line in terms of what I want to share today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the first few passages. And then on rapid fire, I'm going to share with you some practical applications of if it is true that we can be set free, what does that really mean? Uh, How does that make an impact on how I live? Uh, Because it's one thing for something to be true, and it's another thing to put that truth into practice. And so we're going to try to wrestle with what does it mean to be set free. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to look at um, a few passages and then look at some application. And then if we have time, I might tell you a little about the thing that happened to me fairly recently that some of you might have heard about. Um, Psalm 118, verses 5 and 6 says this in uh, ESV version. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me, what? Free. Free. 
the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And obviously the particular phrase in here that really struck me is looking at Psalm 118 is that in the midst of distress and in midst and times of things happening that you prefer not happening, that's when you want freedom. That's when you want to experience freedom. When everything's going well, you don't even think about that. But when things are not going well, is there an opportunity to experience true freedom? As I look at Psalm 118 and in that psalm, I'm speaking fast because there's so many things I want to say today, is that in Psalm 118, it's interesting that there's a, in the first five verses that the phrase, his loving kindness is everlasting, is repeated over and over and over again. His loving kindness is everlasting. 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 Oh, by the way, I'm in distress. Well, that doesn't seem to fit together, does it? How can God be loving and kind, and it's for all time, and now I'm in distress? Because our confidence in the midst of being in a broken world is that God is in control. That God has freedoms he has given us that no one can take from us. And he can totally set us free. And what really can man do to us? Well, man can do a lot to us. You know, one writer simply said this, what can man do to us? Well, there are a number of things he can do to us. Uh, He can oppress us, slander us, hurt us, hate us, maim us, murder us, just for starters, and take away my my occupation, my source of living, my my resources that feed me and my families, all kinds of things people can do to me. How can I say, who can I fear, what can man do to me in the midst of distress and, and really believe that I'm set free? Well, you know, it's really all about what you believe the Lord can do for you. It's interesting. Um, this is, in fact, if you were in a small group, and we really urge you to be in a small group, you might get a question sometime like this. Well, what is your favorite portion of Scripture? Or do you have a favorite verse or favorite chapter? If you take a section of the Bible, you might say, well, what is your favorite psalm? And most of us might know, well, I, I remember the 23rd Psalm. That's my favorite psalm. And you might, you might shout out other ones as well. I was shocked just recently as I was reading about this psalm is that Martin Luther, who really started the whole movement of understanding that that God's people need to be devoted to this book and the truth in this book, led the Protestant Revolution and Reformation. He said this was his favorite psalm. And no matter what other people could do around him and to him, he said, this is where I find hope. So as I think about celebrate, not celebrate, but COVID recovery, Freedom recovery, I want you to know it's found in a person. And it's found in what he can do for you. And in the midst of distress, he can set you free. But if you have your Bibles, if not, I've got the main passage. You know, turn to John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, whether you're familiar with the Bible or not, uh, this is a section, and this is in the New Testament, get to the four Gospels, it's the fourth one. In John chapter 8, we, we have that, that passage that people have heard and had People quote, though they might not know exactly where it was from. But in John chapter 8, beginning at verse 31 and 32, it says this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. New American Standard says will make you free. And so as we think about that, well, that's where, that's where truth comes from. It, it comes from truth. That's where freedom comes from. It comes from truth. And Jesus is saying this to, to people who, who said in the passage that they, they believe in him. But we're going to read on a little bit later. They, they, they sort of believed in him. 
Some of them might have been sincerely trying to follow him. Some might have been seeking him. But he finds out later, it's a, or he knows, but we find out later, it's really a false faith. So in the midst of Jesus setting people free and they're hearing about it, they're not experiencing freedom because their faith is simply a, a mental ascent. They, they've seen the miracles, so they believe that Jesus is a miracle worker, but, but they haven't surrendered their lives to him. And so he really defines what it really means to know that the truth will set you free. He says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so what he's saying to people who many of them were experiencing the hardships of Rome, they had the religious oppression of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were looking for hope, and they were, they were wondering, is this the one truly that had been promised that would come and, and set us free? And he said, I am that one, but you're only going to experience this if you continue or remain in my word, that you, you take the truth and, and put it into practice. Uh, and we know that they were, they were struggling this because they respond, and I don't have this in your outline, but this is the, the text that continues. They answered him, Jesus, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Because that's what they were struggling. He said, that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And you only need freedom if, if somehow you're in bondage, right? If something is wrong. You know, what's true about everyone on this planet, no one ever comes to Jesus until they admit their need. Would you agree with that? No one ever comes to Jesus until they admit their need. And what he is saying here is that you don't quite get it because you are remaining as you are. He goes on in this debate. He goes on in verse 34. He says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, again, I've said this before to you, but you know, why does Jesus say truly, truly? Because he's about to say something to them that they don't think is what? True, right? <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you. And really, the, the, the language in the, Greek, in the Greek New Testament, this is the word amen. Amen, amen. Which means every time you pray, it, it really isn't a real prayer unless at the end of it, whether you say amen or not, or amen, or as Jewish people say, amen, unless what you, what you just said to God was a true expression of your heart, Right? Have you ever thanked God for the food, but weren't really thinking about what you just said? Well, that wasn't a prayer, was it? Because when you thank God for the food, you want, that ought to be the expression of your heart, right? This is true. I do understand that it wasn't just my efforts that were able to put this food on the plate. That apart from you, I wouldn't experience any blessings from you. But he really speaks into their life, and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin, and let me ask a question. Is, does that apply to anybody here? Has anybody ever here committed sin? You know, what a sin is, is missing God's mark. It's the idea of, of falling short of what God's plan is for your life. It's, it's breaking any of the Ten Commandments or the other commandments in the Bible. It's, it's doing it not only in word and deed, but in your heart. And he said, if, if anyone here commits sin, they are a slave of sin. And so as we think about it, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You need to know what you need to be set free from, and what you need to be set free from is, it's the S word, is what? Sin. 
And so he's speaking into extremely religious people who, who got it. They knew their Bible. They refer back to Abraham. And then he goes on and says in verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son, speaking of himself, makes you free, you will be free what? Indeed. So he's speaking to people that, that are struggling as far as what is life all about and how do I live? And, and then he, he speaks directly into life. I want you to understand what is the greatest bondage in this world. What, what really, really defines slavery is being consumed with only what you want to do in your own life. It's not falling after God's plan, but really falling after your own plan. It's falling short of what God has intended for you to always to be and to do, which is to, to know him and to, to live as he has called you to live. And so he speaks into their lives. He says, look, at, just as the psalmist said in Psalm 118, I want you to know that in the midst of distress, I have been set free. And no matter what happens in the world around me, what can they do to me that God can't not release me from? What, what, what is the greatest fear everyone has? The, the, the fear of what's going to happen when you die. And he said, I can set you free from death. I, I, can, I can set you free from the, the habits of life that destroy you and the people around you. I can set you free from going through life where there's, there's no, there is no expression of peace apart from, apart from God supernaturally infusing that into your life. But I want you to know it, it comes from knowing that the Son is the one who set you, sets you free. And you know that you've been set free as you long to understand his word and remain in it and follow after it. This is not a requirement. This is a description of the ones who have made that that commitment to surrender to know Jesus. The gospel is as simple as we looked at last week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But, but how do you know if that belief is a saving belief? That it will show in, in your life that you have, you have come to that place in your life that you want to know what you're heavenly father wants you to do and to be you follow after the truth that he's given and recorded in his word and and you desire to please him and when that happens then god sets you free well what does he set you free from this is what we're going to look at in terms of just practicality set free to what set free to what first of all he's he we're free to stop doing what is wrong now if if we were sharing, in fact, uh, Mark, uh, Mark is my introvert uh, son. I just want to let you know. He, he really is an introvert, but he, he just changes when he gets on stage. But anyway, hey, you know, what, what does God set us free from? He, he sets us free to stop doing what is wrong. In Romans 6, 17 and 18, it says this, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, and that's every single person on this planet throughout his, history begins that way. Except for Adam and Eve, they, they brought it into this world. But everyone is apart from God. But you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed and have been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. It, it, it's a change of what happens in your heart and, and it's lived out in your life. It, it, it's, it's a change of, 
of how you see life and, and what you want to do in your life. And it gets down as specific as this, is, is you no longer want to be a slave of sin, you want to be a slave to God. And what that means is simply you want to stop doing what is wrong. You know, in COVID, uh, a number of things have happened. We shared this in this series. All kinds of things have been happening to people during COVID. It, it, it's, it's put things maybe that were below the surface and has now surfaced them. Uh, we know in our world that divorce has been on a rampant base. And in, I think it was in the 60s, there was about 23% of Americans got divorced. And now it's over 50%. And in recent days, and we heard that in, in this series, that Divorce rates have gone up 34% just during the months of COVID. So you add that to the whole fracturing of relationships. Uh, we know among youth that 25% or one out of every four youth now contemplate suicide. They, they look at life. They look at how life does, looks bleak and dark and not something to look forward to. And, and they're thinking maybe the best thing is just to end this life. I, I was reading a statistic too, and we haven't really talked about this, but take you know, drug abuse or alcohol abuse. And I, I'm not picking on the ladies, but somehow that became the center of the pandemic has more Americans turning to alcohol. And we're not talking about social drinking here, but excessive alcohol uh, is, and particularly among women, have really stood out. There was a 41% rise in how often women indulge in binge drinking, meaning having four or more drinks in under two hours. And so people are escaping. And sometimes when we look at sin, we're just thinking that maybe he's got up there and he's, he's got his finger and he's kind of like, shame on you, shame on you. No, he's saying, look it. If you don't follow my plan, you're the one that's getting hurt. And you're not following your maker and what God wants you to do and to be. And so he says, when you decide to change ownership in your life, where you are no longer in control, but you're giving control to the living God who loves you, his loving kindness is forever. It's everlasting. He has a plan for your life. But you need to deal with your incurable disease, which is sin. Until you come to that place where you recognize that you are guilty before a holy God and turn to him, you, are, you will be slaves simply to your own desires or the desires of people around you. And, and what he's saying here, I, I, I can change all of that. But you've got to surrender to me. But thanks be to God, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart and have been freed from sin. And we never live that out perfectly, but it's a whole change of perspective. We don't go through life pursuing what we want, but what God wants. Does that make sense? And this is a freedom that no one can take from you because God places it in your heart that you want to know him, to love him, and obey him from the heart. Freedom, freedom recovery. First freedom is simply freedom to do, to stop doing what is wrong. And then the corresponding part of that is you're now free to start doing what is right. And, and that's what God, God's, God's plan for you is there's so many things he wants you to do and to be. Galatians 5, 13 and 15 says this. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. And so simply he says, look, don't, don't be so focused on the old life, but now look at the new life you have. 
Now, now what, what are we all free to do if we know Jesus Christ in a personal way? We're free to, to be the people he wants us to be, and particularly what the people he wants us to be as far as around other people. You know, there is no law of the land, I don't care how much they restrict our physical freedom, that you can't love one another, that you can't pray for one another, you can't look for ways to serve one another, you can't forgive one another. There, there is no other way where you can't look at someone who might be discouraged and, and go to them and honor them and lift them up to encourage one another. See, see, God has called us to be people that are distinct because we're not, we're not focused on ourselves, but we're focused on others. A few weeks back in our small groups, we talked about that passage in Philippians, which said, you, you don't live simply for your own interests, but for the interests of others. In fact, you come to that point where other people's interests and needs are more important than yourself. He has set us free to live out what he's called us to live. And there are some bennies, some benefits from that, is that when we walk with God, he's the one that can do something inside that we so desperately want. In these days, probably anxiety has been rampant in people's hearts and lives. And the Bible just tells us so plainly, when we're in him, we're set free from that which pulls us down. In Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, which just says, God, you need to supply this for me because I can't do it on myself. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, see, God wants his people to understand that we are set free, that truth sets us free. But when you reject the truth, you'll never experience this. I was, I was doing a word study quickly on, on, uh, on truth. And let me give you the distinction. What it says about people who truly believe, believers worship into the truth, are committed to the truth, obey the truth, love the truth, speak the truth, walk in the truth, have faith in the truth, and they know the truth. If you want the passages in there, I'll give them to you after the service. But how does it describe those who don't know the truth? Unbelievers are deprived of that truth, 1 Timothy 6.5. They have gone astray from the truth, 2 Timothy 2.18. They are those who oppose the truth, 2 Timothy 3.8. They turn their ears away from the truth, 2 Timothy 4.4. And then, listen to this one. They are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, 2 Timothy 3.7. So what are we saying here? Is that, that people are either receiving and accepting the truth or rejecting it. And when you receive the truth, you want, you want to stop doing what is wrong and you want to start doing what is right. You want to experience only what God can produce in your life. But by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples where God will display in your life love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But it happens when we not only know the truth, but put in our life. I was talking to one of our young men this, this last uh, week, and he, w- he was sharing me, you know, when, when, 
when he just does what God wants him to do, it, it changes everything. And one of the things, you know, one, you know, one of the things that, that, that blesses me as much as anything else is when I begin serving others. And we all serve in different ways. But when we, when we recognize that we aren't in this world for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf, and then for the people he has made. So freedom recovery, we come to that place where we know he has set us free to stop doing what is wrong in life. It just destroys us on the inside and start doing what is right, which lifts us up. Not only for our own sake, but for the sake of others as well. But I want to share this as well. Uh, point number three is we're also free to be released from doing what doesn't work. And, and let's be honest. Uh, many times as, as people come to faith, they struggle with living out their faith. And sometimes the reason they, they, they struggle living out their faith because they're doing it all the wrong way. They're doing it the wrong way. Uh, Paul puts it this way in, in, in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, he's speaking to those who have faith, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him everyone who believes is freed from all things. That message of freedom again. You're freed from all things. And what specifically he said? From which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. If somehow you're trying to live the Christian life by, by looking at a list of rules of do's and don'ts, you're not going to make it. The, the law of Moses, and we th- went through a series in the book of Exodus, the, the law of Moses was given to, to teach people you can't, you, can't, you can't make it on your own. You can't do it from external effort. It, it's got to be the, the Spirit of God who changes you on the inside. And so we take the principles and truths of God's Word and say, God, you've got to do that through my life. You have got to set me free. It, it's by the Spirit of God that we're, we're released from the, the bondage of of the flesh and, and try to do things in our, in our own way. You know, looking at that again in Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul puts it pretty plainly in terms of the, the freedom that we have in Christ and how we are supposed to live it out. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of spirit and law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Which well, said, look, the only way to live the Christian life is through the Spirit of God living it through you. It's learning to pin upon Him and the one who lives within you. you know, by the fruit of the Spirit, by the, the Spirit of God who lives in you, does He put to death the desires of the flesh? And so every day we come to that place where, God, you need to live your life in and through me. It's not me living it out, it's you living it through me. There's so many passages that speak about it. It's, it's God in you that makes the difference. So we're set free from of just trying to work harder and do better. It's allowing the Spirit of God living through our life as we obediently follow Him. And then finally, I guess if I were to put it in summary form, as we think about what it means, it's all about knowing and doing the truth. That's what God has for us, is that we are to know and to do the truth. And that, that knowing the truth is in a person, isn't it? You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so it's all I understand that Jesus is truth personified because he is one truly is God. John 17, 3 says this, this is eternal life that you may know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's found in a person. And so whenever we're trying to be set free and living out the Christian life and our focus isn't on Jesus, the person of truth, then, then we're not free because he is truth. 
but it's also in a plan. Sanctify then in, in truth, your word is truth. Which brings us all back to the very beginning in John chapter 8 where he has that phrase, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. He, he, he introduces that by saying, if you continue in my word, and what is his word? His word is truth. And so when we allow the truth of God to live and to purge our life with that which is from him, it changes everything. Now, this is what I was going to share with you a couple weeks ago, uh, actually, guys, three weeks ago, weeks ago on October 25th, that I wanted to say, look, in the midst of all this going on, and we don't know how long COVID is going to last, um, it can last a long time, and our, our life has been locked down and restricted. There's certain things we can do and are not supposed to do, and uh, even at church, there's been things we've been doing so differently over the last number of months. How can we, how can we experience freedom? And for some of us, it's been uh, more uh, uh, an annoyance than anything else. But, you know, sometimes our, our life takes on a whole other chapter that we weren't anticipating. Well, for the whole month of October, um, I, I was experiencing some symptoms. I was, uh, uh, whenever I did anything um, that was exerting myself, like, like jogging or playing a sporting event, whatever, I, I, I would start feeling some things on my chest. And I, I'm, I'm like a lot of men, you know, if you're feeling bad, the last place you go to is what? To a doctor. You didn't, you didn't hesitate there very long for that, did you? Well, you know, I, I think uh, one of the messages on COVID recovery, I even said, look, if things are going wrong, you need to see a doctor. So I thought I ought to practice what I preach. So, so I went to a doctor and, uh, you know, the primary doctor, and the primary doctor uh, listened to me and I shared some of the symptoms, and so they decided to do an EKG. Well, the EKG uh, came out perfect. There was nothing wrong with me. And I said, okay, then I really, really think it is. It's probably just, you know, something in my lungs, like a, maybe a lung infection, or, you know, the, the, the air quality was kind of poor with all the fires. So I was just thinking, maybe when I'm running, I'm just kind of, you know, breathing some of that unclean air. And they said, well, I don't think so. They checked my chest out a little bit. I, we can do a chest x-ray, but I don't think it's that. I don't like the symptoms you're, you're telling me. And I... Trust me, I try to downplay them as much as possible. It's, it's not really pain. It's not really a pressure. I'm just kind of feeling that, you know, when I breathe, it's, it's a little bit uh, uh, irritating, you know. So they said, well, okay, I don't care about that. So uh, you're going to have to go see a, a specialist, a cardiologist. And, and, and then um, when I, I said, I don't have to tell my wife, do I? And she said, yes, you do. So, so anyway, so... Um, uh, and, and then uh, the more I made fun of it, the more the, the, the primary doctor said, okay, I, you need to get some uh, nitroglycerin. I said, that's only for people who have a heart problem, all right? So anyway, I tried to be dutiful and got the nitroglycerin, but I wasn't going to take any of that. So then two weeks later, I went to another cardio. I went to a cardiologist, and the same thing happened. Um, they did the EKG. They, took, they looked at my history, and they said, look, the, the, you don't fit the... the um, Whatever, okay. <laughs> you don't fit the profile of a person having heart problems. However, I don't like what you're telling me about your symptoms. And trust me, I was downplaying them as much as possible. I said, well, again, I don't really felt pressure here. It's not pain. I don't have anything going down my arms and shoulders. It's just that sometimes I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of irritating to breathe. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, uh, so I was supposed to have a COVID, I know, no, a stress test on... Um, 
the week after I went to the hospital, which we'll talk about in a moment, and I was supposed to have a, a pretty extensive test to see if anything was wrong because I said, I don't want to keep taking EKGs and passing them if you think it's a heart issue. So that was scheduled. They couldn't do it any earlier than that. So uh, on the 25th, I, you know, I, had, I was all planned to come here. I, uh, I, was, I was mowing. This was a little humbling. I was mowing my lawn on Saturday, and I could only do half of it. I'm thinking, this isn't particularly right. But I only, I wait, I rested and then I finished it. But anyway, so then I, so everything calmed down. And so on Sunday, I, I woke up and I didn't wake up because of pain. I just, I just woke up and started getting ready uh, to come. And uh, all of a sudden I was just feeling a little odd. Let's put it that way. I was feeling pretty odd. And then it, it continued. All right. Uh, so I began to think, you know, this, uh, I don't think anybody wants to see a, the preacher drop dead in the pulpit. So maybe uh, I had to think this a little bit. So I, I called Mark and I called uh, um, uh, Bill and I said, you know, there's a, there's a chance I might not make it today. Okay, this is about 8.30. I was all dressed, ready to come and everything was going good. And Mark, uh, he likes to tell his dad what to do. He said, you got to go to the hospital right now. I said, well, I'm waiting for the cardiologist to call me back. No, you need to go right now. Well, the cardiologist called me back and he said, you know, you probably ought to go in there. So I go in there. This is a Sunday morning now about nine, and uh, you know, they make me wait, and they did some couple things. So I got in there, and they did an EKG, and they didn't seem overly alarmed, so I'm thinking, well, they're just gonna send me home. Uh, but so oh, we wanna check a couple other things out, and so they, they got me kind of laid out and started taking blood tests and all kinds like that. And, but they didn't seem overly concerned. They said, oh, we're gonna do some more tests, so we're gonna give you a room. So I go up in the room, I go up in the room, and still, I'm, I'm feeling basically fine now. Oh, by the way, if you ever take a nitroglycerin, they actually work, okay? So I, 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 I did take one going to the hospital, and it did kind of calm down my, my um, irritation in my chest. Not, you know, I wasn't pressure. So, so anyway, I'm there, and they're starting to talk to me, and, uh, and say, so, well, I think we probably need to do a procedure. But while I was there, I had taken some blood tests, and if you've ever had talked to someone who's had a procedure, I don't like to call it a surgery, but a procedure uh, with, related to your heart. Uh, they take blood tests, and I guess in your blood they can catch an en- enzyme that will show some things are going wrong. And while I was there, I got the results of my blood test that I had just gotten two weeks ago. Oh, everything's really fine. It looks like uh, you're okay. So, uh, but I'm there, and, and then all of a sudden they said, well, you know, I think we, I think we need to do a surgery, on, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll schedule it for two o'clock. So, um, so anyway, we go in there, and if you ever get one of these, you're wide awake during the whole thing, which is kind of weird. You're like, they're pushing things through your veins into your heart, and you're just looking at all this stuff the whole time. So it takes about an hour, and, and so, uh, you know, hours up, I go back to the room, and, and, and by the way, before I did this, I asked, I asked the doctor, I said, well, if you think I have to have a procedure... Is, was there any way I could have prevented this? And he said, no. I mean, you're, and this is what they said. They said, your, your weight's fine. My pulse rate, which is, uh, uh, is between 50 and 55 at rest. So it's pretty healthy, okay? My blood pressure was fine. My uh, cholesterol was fine. Everything was fine. They said, well, you know, there's nothing. This is just an anomaly. So I go in there. But then after I was, at, I was over, he said, oh, by the way, your, your left anterior descending artery was 99% uh, plugged up. Uh, now, actually, I'm, I'm more emo- I wasn't emotional all the time until I tell, you know, kind of this kind of point. So, so I said, oh, that's probably not good. He said, no, it wasn't good. He said, that's called the Widowmaker's artery. So, uh, I guess the rumor is, if I hadn't gone in, I would have had four minutes 
to survive. Now, um, what, what I want to share with you, um, and the reason I share this, because now I don't have to share with everybody else, okay, one at a time, is that uh, during the whole time, I was experiencing peace, okay? Because what we read in Romans 8 is that the Spirit of God has set us free from um, the power of sin and death. We don't have to fear death. Now, the sobering things is, obviously I don't want to leave Alice and the family and, and all my friends and the things God wants me to do, uh, whatever is playing out for the rest of my life. But, you know, I don't fear death. And the reason I don't fear death is God has set me free from the power of sin and of death. Now, there are times I mess up and just like we all do, but I'm committed to, to know the one who is the truth and to follow his truth, to know it's in a person and it's found in his plan. In the midst of whatever happens in our COVID world, no matter how many restrictions they put on us or don't put on us, we are a free people. We are free to always talk to him. We are to, free to experience his presence. We are free to be in relationship with God's people. We are free to be living with a mission to help other people know him and to be set free. We have the best news ever. It's the greatest cure for, for the disease everyone has. It, it, it's sin and separation from a living God who loves them and wants to set them free, but they have to turn from their sin and turn to a Savior. What, what we're free is free to not always do what we want, but always free to do what is best. And so as, as we live today and tomorrow, and we don't know how many time, uh, days or hours or minutes for that moment uh, to live here, whatever time we have, we're all who know him free to do not what's simply what we want, but what is best. And that's to follow the person and the plan that's true and sets us free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the one in the midst of something we could not even imagine happening. When even we do numbers of things that, that somehow should have brought that to awareness that there was something wrong going on in our bodies that could produce quick death, that you're in control, that you're the one that can be trusted. And in the midst of distress, you set us free. Because what, what can happen in this world that can affect the world that we're going to when we know the living God who has prepared a place for us? And Father, I pray for anyone here that, that really is filled with anxiety and, and questions about what life is all about, might they recognize that Jesus truly is the answer. It's not a cliche because he has set us free because of what he did on the cross for us. Might we admit our need, 
of the need to be forgiven of our sin? Might we recognize that and believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? And might we commit and choose to follow him as our Lord and Savior? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.